0: I've told you this story before. Uh, If you're new around here, you probably haven't heard, so I'm going to tell it to you again. Uh, When I was in college, at Lincoln Christian College, we had to go to chapel twice a week. Now, when I say we had to, I meant like they took attendance. We had to go twice a week to chapel. And so we would get together for worship in the chapel. We'd have a time of worship and praise. And then one of our professors, whether seminary or college professors, would get up and preach a message every single week, uh, twice a week. So this one memorable sermon I remember hearing uh, was from Dr. Robert Lowry and Dr. Lowry was a uh a seminary professor at Lincoln, and uh, he has since passed away, since I graduated. He was a fantastic guy, great speaker, very knowledgeable, super intelligent, uh, loved Dr. Lowry, and uh, I remember this story, and I will never forget it as long as I live. As long as I'm in ministry, I will never forget the story. It is so impactful to my ministry and how I do things, uh, and I just want to share it with you. Uh, Dr. Lowry gets up, and uh, I believe, I don't even remember the topic of the sermon, I just remember the story, and uh, there was a church uh, that had called him up. as a a couple hours away from Lincoln, they called him up and they said, "We're on the verge of splitting, and we need your help." Now, there's something you got to know about church splits: that if a church splits, it will ruin its reputation in a community for 20 to 30 years. 20 to 30 years of ineffective ministry because the church splits. So this church calls up Dr. Lowry, he says, "We're on the verge of splitting. We're screaming. We're shouting. We're fighting. We can't get along." We need your help. We need you to come down and, and help us out. He's like, okay, I'm, I'll be there. So they're having a congregational meeting. They call him to come and mediate this congregational meeting. He goes down to this meeting for three hours. For three hours, they screamed at each other and yelled at each other and fought and bickered for three hours. And Dr. Larry said, you know what they were fighting about? you know what they were on the verge of splitting about? The color of carpet in their sanctuary. They were going to split their church over what color of carpet they were going to put in their sanctuary. And so after three hours of screaming and shouting and yelling and fighting, they look at him and said, okay, what do you think? And this is what he said. Who in hell cares? And he said, I don't want you to think I was swearing at him. Because I wasn't. I was asking a legitimate question. Who is burning in hell right now that cares about what color of carpet you have in your sanctuary? That struck me and so profoundly impacted my view of ministry and what the church is all about that it's not about our personal preferences. It's not about our opinions. It's not about the things that make us happy. And and yet we we make it about that far too often, don't we? we? We we complain about everything in the church. We'll complain about the, uh, we'll complain about the songs. Well, I didn't like the songs today or I don't like the style of music that we sing. Or, uh, and we'll complain to other people and we'll try and get people on our side. And, you know, you, you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I don't like the, the, the length of the sermons. They're not long enough or they're too long. Uh, the, the, the subject matter is, is uh, too boring or the subject matter is too practical. And, 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 and we just complain about everything in the church. I don't like the seats. I don't like the carpet. I don't like the, the shades being down. I, I don't like the temperature. It's too cold. It's too hot. We'll complain about everything in church. And like I said, we'll try and get people on our side and we'll try and turn people against one another so that our personal preferences, so that our opinions can be uh, satisfied. Or, or if, if we're not complaining out loud to everybody else and if we're not you know, trying to get people on our side and creating factions and division, then we'll get real passive-aggressive. Fine. The elders want to make that decision? Oh, I'll come. But I'm not putting a dime in the offering plate or online giving, which I don't like either. Or we'll sit there with a scowl on our face and our arms crossed. Not mentioning anybody now. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, just We'll sit there with our arms crossed, a scowl on our face, and we just won't participate. We'll just sit there, angry, frustrated. And we'll just sit there. And we won't worship. We'll just stew. And so we do this. And we're we're so bent on getting our own way and so insistent on our personal opinions and our personal preferences that we'll go to extreme lengths of even dividing God's church in order to get our way, to get what we want. And we will run roughshod over people and we will hurt people and hurt people's feelings and hurt people's spiritual growth and hurt people's walk with Christ. We will will risk ruining the reputation, ruining ministry effectiveness for 20 to 30 years just so that we can have our way. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, prayed that his people would be one. That we would be united. That we would be unified. And yet what do we do? Too often we divide ourselves. And it's over stupid stuff. Let's face it. Half the stuff a church will fight about is dumb. Amen? (laughs) It's like, I don't know if I want to say amen. Because he might be talking about my dumb stuff. (laughs) Hmm. You know, we've been talking about the book of James on Sunday mornings. We've been talking about uh, where the rubber meets the road, the intersection of faith and life. We're talking about that place where faith and life intersects, and how uh, real life is is uh, how our faith is applied to our real lives, and how we live this out each and every day and the importance of living out our faith. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to live out our faith. It is not something that we just give lip service to. It's not something that we just show up on a Sunday morning every once in a while or show up even on a Sunday morning every week uh, and just kind of go through the motions of being a Christian and go through the motions of being a follower of Jesus. Uh, No, no, we are called to live this faith out. And we've seen different ways that we can do that by looking at the book of James. Uh, We've talked about how we need to feed the hungry. We need to take care of the poor among us. We need to provide clothing for people who don't have adequate clothing. We need to provide shelter for people who don't have ad- adequate shelter. We talk about playing favorites and how God doesn't play favorites. We're all His favorite. How can He have a favorite? If we're all His favorite, how can He play favorites with any of us? And so God doesn't show favoritism and neither should we. So you may give a $10,000 a year in the offering. You may give $10 a year in the offering. One person's opinion is not more important than another's. Neither one of them matters for anything. What counts is Jesus and what he wants. What counts is God and his will for our church. And whether or not we're going to get on board with what he's doing. So we've been looking at the book of James here on Sunday mornings. We've talked about the different places where faith intersects with life and how we can put our faith into action because that's what we're called to do. It's put faith into action. And one of the ways that we do that is by being peacemakers, about bringing unity within the church of Jesus Christ and how we can work together to help people follow Jesus because that's our mission. You know, you'll see it on the back. Somebody's got a, a blue GFCC shirt on. You'll see it on the back of their shirt or their sweatshirt. It says helping people follow Jesus. That's what we're all about. And that, that's, the, that's the very crux of what we do here is helping people follow Jesus by loving God, by loving people, and serving people. That's what we're all about. And so if it, anything outside of that, it's fair game. But if it doesn't help people follow Jesus, if, it, if you're not helping people follow Jesus, if you're pushing people away from, G, from Jesus, we've got a problem. If as a church we are pushing people away from following Jesus, then we got a problem. Because the way I understand Scripture, this is what it's all about, is following Jesus, being a completely sold-out, devoted, dedicated follower of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that means that we don't get our way if it gets in the way of what Jesus wants. So this morning, we're going to look at James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And we're going to talk about unity. And we're going to talk about division. We're going to talk about two kinds of wisdom for the next few minutes. And these two kinds of wisdom, uh, one is heavenly, one is earthly. One is heavenly wisdom, one is human wisdom. And we're going to talk about the difference between them. And what kind of wisdom we need to have, and what that kind of wisdom leads to. So, this morning, if you'll grab your Bible, turn to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It looks like this it's on page 855 as we continue in the, our study of the book of James. James 3, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16 first, and then we'll look at verses 17 through 18. And there are 15 attributes of wisdom. And you're like, oh man, does this sound boring? It's not. It's pretty exciting, actually. We're going to go through them pretty quick. There's seven attributes of human wisdom and eight attributes of, of heavenly wisdom that we're going to talk about. And then we're going to get real practical and talk about what that means for us as a church. So that's where we're going. Let's look at verses 13 through 16 of James chapter 3. It says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote-unquote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So like I said, there are seven attributes of human wisdom that I want to just kind of touch on for a few minutes. Seven attributes of human wisdom. The first is bitter envy. Now, the word for envy can be used in a positive or a negative connotation in the New Testament. The word envy can mean zealous or committed. The word that is translated as envy can be zealous or committed, that I am uh, committed to Jesus and I have a, a, a deep commitment to Jesus. But it can also be used negatively when it comes to jealousy or envy. That if I'm jealous of someone else, if I'm jealous of their position, if I'm jealous of their power, if I'm jealous of their status within the church, well, that's human wisdom. And that's not heavenly wisdom. And so when we have this uh, bitter envy and we're envious of others and we're jealous of other people, that's when we can start to cause division in the church. It starts with bitter envy. So if I look at somebody and go, man, I really wish I had what they had, their status, their power, their position, if I, I really wish I had what they had, I wish I could be like them uh, because I want that kind of influence, because I want that kind of power, then we can start to cause division in the church. We start drawing people to ourselves. We start creating factions. The second one uh, is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. And selfish ambition uh, is, again, it causes division in the church. Uh, Aristotle said that self, this word, he used this word for selfish ambition, the Greek word for selfish ambition, to talk about political fighting. Po- partisan political fighting. Boy, how timely is that? You want to talk about causing division? You want to talk about a divided nation? Boy, turn on the news. Scroll through your Facebook feed. My goodness, it is ugly out there. It is really, really ugly. We are, and and so this is the word that James says uh, is human wisdom, this idea of selfish ambition that leads to political partisanship, that leads to division in the church, that when this is brought into the church, this selfish ambition, it's all about what I want, it's all about what makes me happy, it is about my personal preferences and my opinions. And when that happens we can cause division in the church. The third one is that this kind of wisdom is earthly. In other words, it is not heavenly wisdom, but rather it is earthly wisdom. And I don't know about you, but human wisdom that is not heavenly means I don't want anything to do with it. If it doesn't come from heaven, why would I want anything to do with it? If the church is supposed to be a little slice of heaven on earth, and I believe that it is, I believe that the church should be a a little slice of heaven on earth. And too often, when we want our own way, when we want our own things, when we want our preferences and our opinions to matter the most, and when we have selfish ambition, and when we have bitter envy, we make the church hell on earth instead of heaven on earth. And it shouldn't be that way. So if we are causing division, if we are creating factions, we are making the church hell on earth. shouldn't be that way. Fourth one, is this kind of wisdom is unspiritual in in other words it's human wisdom again he's describing human wisdom unspiritual in other words it's not of the holy spirit and again if it's not of god's spirit if it is not of the holy spirit i don't want it that's not the wisdom i want my human wisdom is flawed my human wisdom is sinful but god's wisdom is perfect And we'll see that in just a few moments when we look at the eight attributes of heavenly wisdom. So this is a wisdom that is not of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the next one is, number five, is it is of the devil. Now, right there means I don't want human wisdom. If human wisdom that leads to division, that leads to fighting, that leads to partisanship, that leads to factions, that leads to disorder and division and uh, disunity... If that is the kind of wisdom that leads to that, that is of the devil. And I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with the devil. Neither should you. So if this kind of wisdom leads to division and that is of the devil, what does that tell you about division in the church? Where does that come from? Number six, disorder. This kind of wisdom leads to disorder. Uh, Division, discord, disorder. God is a God of unity. Jesus prayed that the church would be one as he and the Father are one. So God wants unity in his church. Jesus wants unity in his church. He wants us to come together to lay aside our personal preferences and opinions and things that can divide us and stand together on the essentials of his word, to stand together on the essentials of truth, to stand together on the essentials of faith, of loving God by loving people and spreading the gospel. That's what we are to be united in. And everything else just kind of falls by the wayside. It doesn't mean you won't have opinions. It doesn't mean that you won't have preferences. It means that other people matter more. We'll get to that in about two seconds. The last one is every evil practice. Every evil practice, and again, this goes back to division. People will do whatever it takes to divide. And it's usually a power grab. I want more power in the church. I want more power. I want more influence. I want more people to listen to me. I want more people to take my side. And so it leads to every evil practice, gossip, slander, lies, backstabbing, all these things that create division, or every evil practice that creates division comes from human wisdom. I don't want anything to do with it. But what I do want is heavenly wisdom. And there are eight attributes of heavenly wisdom that James lists. We'll go through these real quick. Look at verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. He says that peacemakers who sow in in peace raise a harvest of righteousness, that if you want God to consider you righteous, be a peacemaker. So let's look at these eight attributes of heavenly wisdom. Uh, The first is that it is pure. Heavenly wisdom is pure. It's a singleness of mind and spirit. A singleness of mind and spirit and purpose. Singleness, unity. It is pure. It is unadulterated. It is not polluted by our own desires and our own preferences and our own opinions. Rather, it is singleness of mind and purpose. That is pure wisdom that comes from heaven. The second one is it is peace loving. Now, I don't want you to think that conflict is a bad thing. Sometimes you need conflict think about a pond for just a moment. A, a pond out in the middle of the woods that is full of like algae and, and just dead logs and things like that. It doesn't move. The waters never get stirred up, except for maybe the, the, the stray frog or something. But water that doesn't get churned up dies. Uh, nothing can live in that kind of water if there's no churning of the waters. And sometimes in the church there needs to be churning of the waters. Sometimes we need that conflict, that healthy conflict to get to the truth of a situation, to get to the truth of a matter. And there is ways to deal with healthy conflict uh, in a healthy manner uh, that will not cause division. Uh, We're human beings and sometimes our human wisdom takes over. and We don't follow heavenly wisdom and we need to healthily deal with conflict i I, i'm not i don't know about you but i'm not a big conflict guy i'm an avoid and avert kind of guy that's my conflict management style is avoid and avert i see conflict coming and i'm like nope i'm out that's how i deal with conflict it's not healthy not healthy at all there are healthy ways to deal with conflict in the church, and we need to use, utilize them. We need to, uh, When conflict arises, we just deal with it and say, okay, we're going to search the Scriptures, we're going to search the Word of God, and then we're going to deal with this conflict in a healthy way so that we do not divide the church. Uh, the uh, third one is considerate. Heavenly wisdom is considerate, meaning you put other people before yourselves. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition, there's that selfish ambition word again from, now from Paul, or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So this wisdom that we have that comes from heaven means we're going to be considerate of other people. Then we're going to consider other people's opinions. We're going to consider other people's preferences and not just our own. We're going to be considerate of others. Um, the next one is submissive. Sometimes we have to take a back seat to other people. Sometimes we can't be the one in, in charge all the time. You don't have to be the know-it-all. You don't have to be a know-it-all. You need to, sometimes you need to submit to other people and listen to other people's opinions and other people's ideas. You're not a know-it-all. You don't know everything. And sometimes it's good to have those conversations with others so that we can create more unity in the church. The next one is that it's full of mercy. We show spiritual maturity by being compassionate and merciful to others. So our actions are to be merciful and full of mercy, meaning that we look at other people with merciful eyes, knowing that nobody is perfect and nobody has it all together, that nobody has all the answers, including me, including you, none of us have all the answers. And so we're going to deal with each other with mercy and not with anger, not with pride. Uh, number, uh, six, it bears good fruit. Heavenly wisdom bears good fruit. And these are compassionate acts done for other people, that the way we treat other people, the way that we love other people, uh, is born out of compassion and heavenly wisdom. And it bears good fruit. We do good deeds. Uh, Number seven is that it is impartial. Heavenly wisdom doesn't play favorites. We talked about that several weeks ago, that God doesn't play favorites and neither should we. So it is impartial. Uh, We don't show favoritism to anyone. We are considerate of everyone. Uh, And the last one is sincere. In other words, heavenly wisdom is not hypocritical. It is the real deal. It is the genuine article. It is authentic. So that is heavenly wisdom. Those are the eight attributes of heavenly wisdom. So what does it all mean? What does it all boil down to? What it boils down to is this. We need to be a peacemaker, not a peace breaker. This is what it's all about. When it comes to the church, when it comes to your place in the church, your position in the church, it says the peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a a harvest of righteousness. Peacemaker, not a peace breaker. So On a practical level, the way this works is, if you are causing division in our church, you need to stop. Period. Because the wisdom that is guiding that is earthly, unspiritual, and as I recall, demonic. It is of the devil. So if you are causing division, if you are looking to cause division, if you are looking for uh, opportunities to divide people, if you are trying to draw people to yourself in order to uh, have uh, your opinion or your preference uh, uh, have more influence and, and to get your way, if you are doing things, if you are undermining Christ's church and the unity of Christ's church in order to get your way, get out of God's way. Be a peacemaker, not a peacebreaker. And if you know of someone who is causing division, if you know of someone who is gossiping and backstabbing and, and doing all those things and trying to create factions and division, if you know of someone who is doing that, get them to stop. Because as I read the New Testament, there is like one reason that Paul says to kick somebody out of a church, and that's found in the book of Titus. And what Paul tells Titus is, warn a divisive person once, warn them a second time, and then have nothing to do with them. So if you're going to try and divide the church of Jesus Christ here at Griffith First Christian Church, if you're going to try and divide Jesus' church here, you're going to get a warning. And then you're going to get a second warning. And then you're going to get kicked out. I, I, I do not take church discipline lightly. I do not take kicking people out of church lightly. Uh, I don't want to kick anyone out of the church. Hey, We want everybody here, right? We want everybody to hear the gospel. We want everyone to be growing in their faith. But if you're going to try and divide the church, like I said, it takes 20 to 30 years for a church to get over a split. And if you're thinking about splitting our church based upon some kind of preference or opinion of yours, that you think, well, this needs to be done my way or it's the highway, then take the highway. Get out. If you're so miserable here, I hate to say this, but if you're so miserable here that you want to divide the church, if you're so miserable here and you just got to get your way, get out. We don't need that kind of division. We are united in purpose behind heavenly wisdom to reach the lost for Jesus Christ and to help people follow Jesus. And if you're looking to cause division, if you're looking to divide people and cause factions and divide the church, you are not helping people follow Jesus. In fact, you're going to destroy the ministry effectiveness of GFCC for generations. And I will not let that happen. Just ask yourself the question that Dr. Lowry asked. When it comes to your personal opinion, when it comes to your personal preference, and you're looking to divide the church, who in hell cares about what color the carpet is or how comfortable your chair is or whether the shades are open or not or whether the temperature is too hot or too cold or the songs are too fast or too slow? Does anyone that is burning in hell care about your opinion? Now, there are some things worth going to the mat over. There are some things worth fighting over. Jesus died for a reason. There are essential matters of our faith that we should wrestle with and that we should wrestle with each other with. But if it's not an essential matter of the faith, if it is an opinion, by all means, take a back seat. You don't know it all. You don't have all the answers. Follow some heavenly wisdom or get out. This is so serious. The last prayer that Jesus prayed was that we would be one, that we would be united and not divided, that we demonstrate to the world the unity of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit, we demonstrate to the world the unity of the Trinity by our unity in the church. And unity in the church is hard. It's tough. Don't get me wrong. Unity in the church is hard because we're different people from different backgrounds. We've, done, we've got different experiences, different church experiences. Unity is hard. But with the Holy Spirit behind it, we can do it. With the Holy Spirit within us, the united spirit within us, we can do this. We can be a united church family who loves one another and loves God and shares the gospel with people. When I I get in one of my snarky moods, any of you have a snarky mood? I have a snarky mood occasionally. And when somebody starts talking about, yeah, you know, we need to do this, and we need to do that, and, and uh, you know, if we don't get this and we don't get that, then I'm just going to quit giving or I'm going to quit coming. And, and I always ask very, very snarkily this question. Because, yeah, that's why Jesus died, right? See, Jesus didn't die for our opinions. He didn't die for our preferences. He died for our sins. And he died to make us one. So my prayer today is for us, that we would be united, that we would be unified And that we would storm the gates of hell with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we would change this world. And that we would do it together as a family of believers who love one another and care for one another. And are living out our faith each and every day. This is my prayer. This is my desire. And I believe that it is the wisdom that comes from God that makes it possible. Let's pray. Father God and Father in heaven, we come to you now praying for unity in our church, for unity in our family, that we would not be a divided church, that we would not be a divided congregation, but that God we would come together and we would love one another, and that we would love you, and that we would demonstrate to the world unity. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the wisdom that comes from heaven. And I pray that you would fill us with this kind of wisdom, that you would fill us with the wisdom that comes from heaven, and that this wisdom, Would lead us and guide us by the Holy Spirit that we might be a united church working together to depopulate hell. Lord, there's so much. There's so much on the line. There are people we know who are dying in their sins and they don't care about our opinions and our preferences. They only care about the one who can save them. And we know the one who can save them. So, Father, today I pray for my friends here today, for my brothers and sisters, that we would be one and that we would work together to change the world for Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that there is nothing that is impossible for you, even making such disparate people one. So make us one, O God. Make us one, Father. And we will work together to change the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.